This morning's scripture, Romans the 8th chapter, verses 31 and 32. We are moving a little bit. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Word of God, let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for your entire word, but especially for these passages that we've been dealing with in this wonderful book of Romans that inspire us and give us so much strength and courage in and through difficult times. And Father, it is my prayer this morning that your words would bring us all comfort, that these passages would stand out to us perhaps like never before. And I pray, Father, that the words I speak be not mine, but be yours to comfort your people. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I believe as we look at these two verses in Romans 8 this morning, I believe it's very important that we never forget from where we've come and what we've just looked at. It's so very easy to, to look at verses in isolation and take them out of that context and pluck them out of that context and start talking about things that they apply to that they were never meant to be applied to or never meant to pertain to. Paul has spent basically the entire eighth chapter dealing with what? Starts with an S. Suffering. The entire eighth chapter has been dealing with suffering and pain and all the turmoil that we go through. And I find that it's not a coincidence that we have spent this much time in it right now in this time in our lives and history as a church and as families and as individuals. I know that we've, we've all been dealing with a lot. And I praise God that He worked it out in His providence to put us where we are when we are. But He's assured us that we're going to suffer. As a matter of fact... If you recall, in 17 and 18, he conditions our eternal life on our suffering. If you're going to be glorified, then you're going to suffer. And you're going to suffer in Christ Jesus before you are even glorified. And he tells us that. And then we work our way through that suffering and and we see futility of creation and futility of mankind and all the turmoil that we live through every day in this life. And he brings us to verse 28. And things start to change in verse 28. And it's a a beautiful transition and, and, and a beautiful change that he gives us. That God is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those are weighty words, those are heavy words. It's not something that we should read and and look at very flippantly. That's a big deal, folks. And we quote them and we throw them around as if it's not, but it's, it's a big deal. It's something that is grave in its very essence. And I believe in my heart that Paul understood the gravity and the weight of the words that he just wrote. That he wrote those words. He's like, wow. Wow. Look at what God does for us. 
Look at how he manages everything. And so he knows that whenever we read those words and we see those words, they're going to be hard for us to understand, right? Because we've come through a great deal of suffering. And then we get those words and it's saying, look, God's working it all out for our good if we love him and if we're called according to, our, to his purpose. And then we're saying, how can we understand that? How can that be? It's like, okay, I'm going to explain it to you in a little more detail. I'm going to show you behind the scenes how this all works. And so that's what Paul does. He starts to to show us and demonstrate to us in verses 29, 30, 31 this morning how everything works because it is God's desire that we have the utmost confidence in eternity. That's what he wants, is for us to be confident in our eternity. That even in our darkest moments, when we think we can't deal with one more minute, he wants to give us these scriptures and sear them in our hearts and in our minds so that we know he's got this. That he's working through this. That no matter how dark it may be, no matter how bad the news may be, we still have hope. Because our God has promised us that it's all being worked out for our good. He wants us to make sure that we are 100% secure in our salvation and confident in our salvation and Paul tells us why and we looked at verse 29 last week but I want to back up and I want to look at an area of verse 29 that I didn't look at verse 29 tells us that God did something dramatic as the very first step in our salvation and he uses the word foreknew for those he foreknew he predestined. Those he predestined, he justified. And those he justified, he glorifies. So it, it gives us a beautiful chain of salvation that is set in place by the sovereignty of God. But the first step in that is foreknowledge. To foreknow something is to know beforehand. Know before it happens. Or know something before. And it is important that we look at this word and, and I want to make a distinction about this word. It comes from the Greek word prognosko. And as I said, it means to know beforehand. But it doesn't mean that God looked down through the annals of time and foreknew us based, based upon our actions. It's not what it means. When we get to Romans 9, you're going to see and understand that. That's not how God chooses. He doesn't look down through the annals of time and says, well, this person's going to choose me and this person's not, so I foreknow this person. Because ultimately, who gets glorified in that? The chooser, right? And you're going to see that happen in Romans 9 between Jacob and Esau. And you're going to see God make that his sovereign choice not based upon anything that either one of them did. Because in reality, who was the good brother? Wasn't Jacob, right? 
Jacob lied and stole and did everything that he could. So he makes that choice not on the basis of anything we do or don't do, but according to his will, according to his sovereign choice. So this word foreknowledge or to know is a very important word. I mean, we can know something. It means we have a mental assent to something. But it meant much more in biblical times. It's more than a mere intellectual wisdom. Genesis 4.1 says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. To know. Genesis 4.17, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Clearly, that's not some sort of mental wisdom of your wife. It's an intimate knowledge. It is the most intimate relationship that you can have between two people on this earth. It's the same with God. It is an intimate relationship that He has with each one of us that He calls to Himself before we're even created. That's the foreknowledge of God. It shows and demonstrates intimacy. What did He say to Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. I knew you. I knew you and called you to be a prophet to the people. So before anything ever existed, Jeremiah was there in God and he knew him. He had an intimate relationship with Jeremiah. So that's what this foreknowledge of verse 29 actually means. God didn't wait to see what type of person Jeremiah was going to be and then all of a sudden change things around so that if Jeremiah was a good guy, he was going to call him to be a prophet. And if he wasn't, he was just going to send him some other direction. It's not how God acts or reacts, so to speak. God affirmatively acted in Jeremiah's life to make him the person that he was. This knowledge is deep and it is intimate. The most intimate of a relationship that we can have with any other being. So we we get then to this unbreakable chain and hopefully then you can see how strong that chain is. Because God foreknows us, He predestines us, He saves us, and He glorifies us. It is all of Him. So Paul tells us that so that we can know that verse 28 is 100% pure, that there's nothing that's going to happen on this earth that's going to pull me out of that unbreakable chain. Even left to my own devices. I can't pull myself out of that unbreakable. If I could pull myself out of that chain, then I could put myself in it. If God orchestrates it all, then we can trust that he's working 828, that he knows what he's doing, that he knows how to make sure 828 above 29 is accomplished. And that transitions us into verse 31. Paul actually asked two questions here. What shall we say to these things? So 
He's been given that all things are working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose in 28. 29, He goes, says those He foreknows, He predestines, and those He predestines, He saves, He justifies, and those He saves, He glorifies. And so everything's working perfectly. And so that brings him to verse 31. What shall we say about these things then? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the expected answer that Paul has here is no one, right? That's the obvious answer that Paul's expecting when he asks this question. No one. If God is for us, nobody can be against us. Is that true, though? Is that really true? Is that what Paul is wanting us to understand here? Does it mean if God is on our side, then we're always going to win because nobody else has a choice or no one else has a prayer? But you see this verse abused that way every single day. If God is for me, no one else can hurt me. No one else can cause me pain. No one else can cause me grief. No one else can cause me to lose everything that I have. I don't recall Job using this verse. Because it didn't work that way. The object of this verse is not success in this life. And everything that we want and desire. Although there are a great many churches out there that will tell you, That if God is for us, we're going to be healthy, we're going to be wealthy, we're going to live glorious lives on this earth and never want or need for anything. It's not the object of this passage, and that's not what Paul was talking about. Because when we get down to verse 35, we're going to see that there are actually a great number of things that are against us in this life. There are a great number of people who are against us in this life. There are people who will steal from you. There are people who will lie to you and about you. They will sow seeds of discord in relationships that you have. You name it, there are plenty of people out there that fit this bill of being against us and they seem to be very successful when it comes to that so clearly Paul was talking about something else because he also tells us that we're sheep to be led to the slaughter and we are killed all the day long so what exactly did he mean here it has to be something different than what some people believe It's not about our success in this life. It's not about us getting what we want or not going through difficult times. We know that because we just talked about all of chapter 8 being about difficulties, about suffering. So there's something more. It's not about the fact that I'm going to win and not be depressed. Or I'm going to win and, and not be upset and not be sad, and not be stricken by poverty, or disease, or pain. It's not about that. It's not what he's saying. Jesus in Matthew said, even the Gentiles want this. That's right. That's why the church has gotten so confused on being a church and being in the world. 
Because a lot of the church today offers what the Gentiles want. Who doesn't want to be rich? Who doesn't want to be free from, from sickness and illness and pain? Who doesn't want that? And that was the point Jesus made in Matthew. Even the unbelievers want that. But we're different than that. It's not what Paul is referring to here. He warns us that that's actually what's going to happen to us. We're going to have that pain and suffering. He was writing that when God is for us, we can never be defeated. That that sovereign chain of salvation from foreknowledge to predestination to justification to glorification, it's not going to be broken. Nobody can break that chain. Nobody can steal your eternity from you. That God has set that plan in motion and it doesn't matter what man does to us. It doesn't matter what Satan does to us. It does not matter. That chain cannot be broken under any circumstances in any way. You're going to have pain. You're going to have loss. You're going to have suffering. But if you are in Him, it will not break that chain. It will only serve to solidify the links of that chain. So that at the end, those links are stronger than they were at the beginning. That's the goal. Eternity, glorification, that's the goal. That's why we're all here this morning. It's not social acceptance. It's not so our bank accounts can grow larger. It's not so that we won't get sick. It's ultimately having a life free of sin with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul gives us this beautiful statement about the security of salvation. If God has planned it, if He has designed it from before the foundations of the world, who can thwart it? Who can thwart it? People spend, a lot of people, spend a great deal of their time worried about Satan. Fearful of what battle he's going to win that may end up in the loss of our salvation. I will tell you that our sin is a much bigger problem than Satan is. He's not going to win this. He is subservient to God in every way. I spend little to no time worrying about Satan so much as I worry about my own sinfulness. It's not Satan that's going to send me to hell. It's my own sinfulness that would send me to hell. But the answer, if we are in that chain, who's going to break it? No one. And that's the answer that Paul's looking for here. If God is for us, who can be against us? No one. It's that, it's that truth that enables us as Christians to live different lives than unbelievers. When we lose someone that we love, we don't sit around and are destroyed by that news. We take heart and that God's got this under control. When we go to the doctor and we get that news that it may not be long, we're not panicking and, and wringing our hands and thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Because we have the confidence of that unbreakable chain that God's going to meet us there. He's going to help us to deal with whatever it is. 
in the exact time that we need it. We know that this is not our home. We know that we're going to suffer. We know that ultimately no one's going to be against us to the extent that they're going to win or steal our eternity. It should give us a great deal of courage and a great deal of strength in those, in those moments of pain and suffering. Next, in verse 32, Paul is going to demonstrate to us how it is that God will do, or the confidence he has, that God will do everything in his power to make sure, verse 28 is true, and that in the end, he will end, he will win. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also graciously give us all things? It's an argument from greater to lesser. And it's very common in the Bible, but that's, that's the argument that's being made here. If God has done something that's really hard, really difficult, then He will absolutely do something that's easy. From greater to lesser. If Stephanie loves me when I'm ugly, when I'm grouchy, when I'm hard to be around, then she absolutely will love me when I'm nice and kind and loving. That's the easy part. If she can do the hard, it's the easy part's no problem. And so that's the argument that's being made here. If God did something that was hard, and that was to give His own Son, to send Him to this earth to die for us, will He not give us everything else that we need to succeed so that our eternity is secure? Absolutely, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And that's exactly what Paul's wanting to tell us here. God didn't spare Jesus. You know, we all have places in this world where we avoid. Dangers, whatever the case may be. There are certain areas. They may be in cities, different countries. Whatever the case may be, we just won't go there. Let alone allow our children to go there. But yet they're all part of this world that God sent His perfect Son into. Here, go. That was hard. It wasn't an easy thing from our perspective. We don't have the mind of God, but that was a big deal. He sent His Son to this wretched, difficult, sinful, ugly, hot, nasty world to be spat upon, to be laughed at, to be mocked, to be killed. And oh, by the way, we're going to put the sins on the world on His shoulders as well. That's a big thing. That is huge. But he did that for us. He owed us nothing. He owed us to be left alone in our own muck to die and spend eternity in hell. That's what we're owed. And yet, he decided to not do that. He wanted to send his son to save us. It's a very difficult thing for us to wrap our heads around. But that is the hard thing, right? That is the difficult thing. That is the loving me when I'm grouchy and ugly and mean. Only way more difficult. Will he not give us everything that we need to succeed in that? 
He absolutely will. He gives us all things that we need. I want us never to think that He gave us His Son and then suddenly abandoned us to fend for ourselves. Because sometimes we think that, right? Sometimes we think, okay, now I'm a Christian. I've got to work really hard to make sure this all works out because if I don't, I'm not going to make it because now it's up to me. No. Think of how silly that would have been for God to do. I'll give you an analogy, and it's full of fault, as all my analogies are because they're not God's. So it's very imperfect in a lot of different ways. But if you had a child... Two children. And one of them never would do anything that you wanted and always disobeyed. And you could never believe a word out of their mouth because they were constantly lying. And the other one was here and perfect in every way. Sort of a twist on the prodigal. But in order to save the one that was disobedient, you had to give this one up. But you knew that this one was okay because he was perfect in every way without sin and his eternity was fine. So what do you do? You're going to have to give this one up and send him out there. But it, the catch is the one that lies to you all the time and steals everything, you can't believe, but he has to accept this other one that you're giving up. So you don't know, right? So you say, hey, look, if I give you this other son, do you promise that you will accept him and spend eternity with me because of that? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. It depends. I may choose to. I may choose not. Depending on how I feel that day. Are you going to give this son up? No. No. You're not going to give this son up for some random chance that the other one out there is going to lie to you. You're going to do everything in your power to manipulate that one so that you 100% know that he's going to choose this one, right? Because it would be foolish for you to rely on the word of someone that lies all the time. And I hope you can understand that that, that is a imperfect as it is, an analogy of Jesus sending his son to earth to save us. Do you really think that he's going to allow the choice of accepting his son to fall into the hands of people who will never accept him? Or do you think his son meant so much to him that he's going to do everything in his power to ensure that we desire his son, that we want to be a part of his son, that we're going to love his son. It's clear that the latter is the way it is. Because it would be really a foolish mistake for God to send his son to this earth to fall into the hands of men who will always choose evil and women who will always choose evil and lie and never want God and never accept God. And he will have ultimately have died for nobody. No one. Do you see the futility of offering his son without more, without strings attached, without a guarantee 
that I'm going to foreknow these people and create inside of them a desire to love my son. And I am going to predestine these people and I'm going to save these people and I'm going to glorify them. Because that is the, how much I love them. That is how much I know that they are influenced by sin without me. So if God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how much is He not going to give us? The answer is nothing. He will provide everything that we need to get through whatever moment we have so that our eternity is secure. He's going to give you the faith to get through those moments of doubt when you would otherwise walk away. He's going to give you the courage to be courageous in the moment when you're afraid that you can't be. He's going to give you the strength to get through those weak times when you feel like you just can't deal with another heartache. That's how much He loves us. And that's what He's willing to do for us. He didn't spare His own Son. But he delivered him up into the hands of evil men. And we can rest assured that he's going to be there. He's going to meet us in that moment, no matter what that moment may be. And he's going to give us everything that we need to ensure our eternity. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, what powerful words that we read in verses 31 and 32. It's hard for us to imagine what it was like for you to provide your own son. It's hard for us to understand all the intricacies of everything that's going on behind the scene. But Father, we pray that you give us the ability to trust these words in faith. Knowing that you did give your son. And knowing that you're not going to forsake us now. That this is not all up to us that this is all up to you, that you're going to provide us with everything we need to get us to our unification with you for all eternity. Father God, there are so many folks that are suffering. There are so many Christians that are suffering. Lord, we pray that these words would encourage us, strengthen us, help us in those dark moments to see how much you love us, to know that you're working it all for our good and that you're not going to abandon us, that you're going to carry us through till the very end. Father, we pray this morning that you were glorified and may you be glorified in every day and in every life that we have, or every day of the life that we have, Father. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All rise. May the grace and glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all. Have a blessed week. Stay safe and stay warm.